Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail. Today I'm joined by Andy Skinner, Sean Wallace and Danny Law to talk about all things transfers. But how are we folks? We're good? Very well, thank you. Yeah, good, thanks. Oh, good, thanks Ryan. I'll calm down after the deadline day madness. Yes, Andy, it was a late one last night, wasn't it? Um, we'll get through Aberdeen's uh, rather hectic uh, transfer deadline day. We'll also discuss Ross County's comings and goings over the last week, as well as whether we can expect any sort of loan action from the lower leagues, as well as a brief touch on the suspension of football being extended uh, below the championship level until at least February 14th. But yes, first of all, the Dons yesterday was a big one for Aberdeen. So Fraser Hornby, um, we saw Callum Hendry and Florian Camberry come in. Ross McCrory completed his permanent move to Dons, while Scott Wright went the other way to Rangers, um, having already signed a pre-contract with the Ibrox club. There was also Curtis Means' shock departure, the striker having his contract cancelled, so he could head to Shrewsbury Town, or Shrewsbury, don't know how, how the best way to say that is, but um, Bruce Anderson also headed back out on loan, having just come back from a loan at Air United. He went to Premiership Strugglers, Hamlin for the rest of the season. There were also a few, few recalls for some younger players. We'll see whether that means they stay for the rest of the season or they go back out again, depending on what happens with the lower league campaigns. Anyway, first of all, it was clear that Derek McInnes wanted to shake up his striker, or striking options, having lost Sam Cosgrove in a two million move to Birmingham at the weekend. Um, do you think... The Livy stalemate at the weekend, the nil-nil draw, was about as much of a um, indication that that shake-up was needed as you could possibly get. I think so. I mean, it was a second nil-nil and a bounce, and they created a couple of clear chances, but just couldn't take them. And I remember sitting in that game thinking, this can't go on really because they've got two strikers that aren't scoring. I mean, I was looking Sam Cosgrove's stats. He's only scored one goal from open play since uh, the start of January 2020 and Curtis yeah, May in his 18 months at the club seven goals is just not enough something had to change when Cosgrove exited expected like a wee shake up but I didn't expect McInnes to take a broom and just clear everything out and then just it was like a, more or less like stick or twist was it stick with what you got or take a gamble, and Aberdeen have taken a gamble, and I think it'll pay off. With the current situation, well, with the previous situation I had with the strikers, with me and Cosgrove, I think third position, probably they would have secured that. Second, no. But now, with the additions they've taken in, they suddenly rejuvenated the attack, and I think second could be there for the taking. And you've got the two double-headers against Celtic coming up. So I'm going to put my my neck on the line and say it's game on for a second just because of the dealings Aberdeen did in the final day of the transfer window, which was remarkable when only two weeks previous, McInnes had said there would be no uh, signings coming in, but, but the two million exit Cosgrove changed all that. You can I can hear the Champions League theme music going through Sean's head right now. Um, <laughs> I, I I mean I think on the on the face of it, it's um, such an exciting um, transfer window for the Dons, given the kind of malaise that had set in recently. Um, 
I mean, Sean touched on it there, but Curtis Main and Sam Cosgrove have been struggling for goals and it didn't really look like there was any sign of that changing. I think to get £2 million in for Sam Cosgrove is a great bit of business, especially when the Don's bottom for only thirty grand uh, from Carlisle United. Um, so he's came in, he's scored um, a lot of goals, but he'd gone off the boil, I guess, since that knee injury and since the interest that there was in the summer. So it seemed like his time at Aberdeen had came to an end. So I think they did the right thing. And I mean, I think with Fraser Hornby, that, I mean, that's the the signing for me that's really exciting. Um, hopefully, it doesn't take too long to settle. That's, I mean, the risk with loan players, obviously, is that there can be that bedding in period, but you're looking at all three of these guys to hit the ground running. And um, the one good thing is that Fraser Hornby's obviously, he's been in Belgium, he's, he's been in France, so he's kind of, and he, he knows a lot of the guys from the Scotland under 21 team already. So hopefully with that connection being there, that Aberdeen can get a tune out of him very quickly and he can get up to speed. Um, but I mean, he's, he's a player that I've enjoyed watching in the past for the under 21s. He's a big guy, but there's far more to his game than a target man. Flo Canberry, you kind of you know what you're getting with him. He looked very good in spells at um, Hibernian, and then the the one I guess it's a bit of an unknown for me, but he's obviously the backup man is Callum Hendry. Um, but I mean overall with the business that Aberdeen have done, I think that um, Derek McInnes and, um, and and the Aberdeen support as well, they seem to be um, quite excited about this. So it, it would have been good if there was a crowd going to the going to the Livingston game tonight because um, you always like to see a new signing and there's a, a few players playing tonight that you'd be quite interested to see how they get on. But it bodes well for Aberdeen in the second half of the season because something had to change and it's a drastic change. But I think this is the um, signings that could really pay off for Aberdeen in the second half of the season. Ah, it just uh, it, it just brings that spark to to have made such a, a drastic revamp of the, the forward line. I mean, when Cosgrove... Was uh, you know was on the move down to Birmingham. You knew that there would be somebody coming in to replace him, but um, you know you certainly didn't expect the you know the other two strikers that were on the books to to be going out as well. Um, you know you thought that would, there would maybe be one or two coming in to to sort of complement that uh, that strike force. But um, no, it's an interesting uh, sort of range of options that Derek, Derek McInnes now has at his disposal. Um, Danny's touched on the. The potential that uh, Lewis, uh, that Fraser Hornby certainly has, uh, you know, he's certainly a player that, uh, that has been talked about for a long time. He holds the um, the record for for Scotland under twenty one goals, um, and you know, won a you know big move to to France last summer, having progressed through the ranks at Everton. Florian Camberry is a very known quantity in Scottish football. Had a, a really good record at Hibs. Um, Won a move to to Rangers as a result of that. Uh, I think by all accounts he was doing okay there as well, but clearly the the season was called short due to COVID last season, and that kind of halted him in his tracks. He's just found it difficult to to get uh, game time, having returned to Switzerland in the summer. But um, he's obviously one that can't feature against Livingston because of his work permit situation. Um, and and then Callum Hendry is an interesting one because he's he's a guy that you know, probably comes in with a, a wee bit of a, a point to prove, having not played so much for St. Johnson this season. His record last year was was very impressive, though. Nine goals and 27 appearances, I think. There also seems to be a pre-existing relationship there with Matty Kennedy, who was also in his sort of peak form around about that time, which, uh, you know, resulted in him winning the, the move to Aberdeen. So 
Uh, I, th- I think that probably comes into the the category of a, you know, a bit of a, a punt from Derek McInnes in a way uh, similar to to Sam Cosgrove as a a striker that's maybe lost his way a wee bit, but you know the manager clearly feels that there's something there that he can work with and uh, you know bring the best form out of him. So de- definitely a, a really intriguing period coming up for for Aberdeen just to see how all three of these new additions settle. Tough question, crystal ball question. Obviously, Hornby, £1.7 million striker. Chances are he's been sold on this loan move to Aberdeen with other clubs interested on the basis that he's going to play when he's available and fit to play. He says he's fit now to go against Livingston tonight. So if he gets a fair win, you'd imagine he'd be in the team the rest of the season when he can't play. How does this affect the potentially the Dons formation? Obviously, there's Camberry there, there's Hendry there as well. Those players are more sort of proven quantities, I suppose. Both of them have had spells in the Premiership previously where they've been scoring a goal pretty much every 100 minutes played or there or thereabouts. Although they've also had periods where they've not been doing quite as well. Do we see Camberry maybe playing up alongside Hornby with Hendry being more of a sort of rotation squad player? Or how, how do you see that sort of panning out as the, the games progress this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I would think that you're looking at um, Hornby as being the, the main starter. So if you're going with a a four-two-three-one, or even a three-four-three. Then you would think that Hornby is going to be the 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 guy in the, the number nine position. Um, Camberry, we've seen it before at Hibs, um, where he can come in off the side and play um, on the the right, cutting in on his left or or the other side. Um, Hendry, for me, is probably the guy that's going to start as the as the substitute coming on, looking to influence games, but hoping to get a run if players injured or if there's um, if if there's a, a squad uh, squad rotation, um, so yeah, that'll um, yeah, that's that should be the an, quite an interesting interesting dynamic that they've got there. I mean, I think the one thing that it gives Aberdeen is a lot more mobility up front because Hornby, despite being six foot five, he can he can really get about the pitch well, and Camberry's the same. And the problem that we saw once Marley Watkins left Aberdeen was that the Aberdeen front line, it just it lacked pace and it wasn't very dynamic with um, Cosgrove and Main up top. So I think we've managed to put a bit more pace in there and mobility. And so hopefully that will lead to a, a slightly more exciting brand of football. Yeah, the thing that they definitely missed that mobility of Marley Watkins and the pace. And like Danny said, I think they've injected that with this window. Hornby, I would imagine, will be the focal point of the attack. Not just because of his height, but he's, he's so good in the air as well with uh, Camberry uh, in support. Uh, Hendy, like, uh, again, as Danny said, I imagine he'd be coming on as an impact substitute. Uh, but I, I'm really excited by this transfer window and what Aberdeen have done. I mean, I, I think that maybe looking back to this, the January window when Celtic were there for the taking under Ronnie Dyla and... I don't think Aberdeen made enough of that transfer window. And at the end of that season, I'm sure there was a lot of regrets within Pataudry. And for a while in this window, I thought, surely they can't exit weaker than they went into it. But to their credit, they've done the the deals and they're coming out stronger. And, I mean, Champions League football, could potentially it is a game changer if you get in there it opens up so many possibilities sorry Sean I was going to ask I mean do you think this this these two games coming up kind of 
shows what what path Aberdeen are going to take this season because obviously Aberdeen are up against Livingston and Hibernian who are the two teams that I guess if, if Aberdeen end up shooting for third place instead of second place then that's going to be their likely competition whereas if they're going to push for Celtic then is it kind of the case that they've got to beat Livingston tonight and, and win at Hibernian at the weekend and that's that's going to kind of propel them into that fight against Celtic. I mean, do you think if it's, if it's the case that they can't get those the wins in the next two, then it'd be difficult to push Celtic? Oh, definitely. They need, they need to beat Livingston and Hibs to go into the doubleheader against Celtic in pole position and third, breathing down Celtic's neck. Because, I mean, the amount of times Celtic have dropped points, I mean, one win in six, and Aberdeen consistently failed to punish that. There must be such a source of frustration to Derek McInnes and the players. But now, hopefully they've got the players that will turn draws like the last two stalemates into three points and really begin to pile the pressure on Celtic. But if they, if they drop points to Livy and Hibbs, then can you see them pushing for second? No. But if they, if they come out of those games with six points, then I'm predicting it's game on <laughs> for the second time today. Is the is the best piece of business of the window getting getting Scott Wright to Rangers early and as a result sealing that permanent deal for Ross McCrory? Because obviously part of the issue with McCrory this season is he hasn't been able to play against Rangers because they're his parent club and this will help him, I suppose, not miss games in the second half of the season, especially if Aberdeen are also going to have a tilt at the Scottish Cup as well. This is an interesting one. Um, I mean, a, a hypothetical situation uh, last summer, if you were to have offered uh, you know, an Aberdeen fan the, the possibility of signing Ross McCrory for a small fee using Scott Wright as a make-weight, would you have taken it? I, I think a lot of people probably would. I, I suppose what has changed in that time is that Scott Wright has stepped up to become, you know, an important part of Derek McInnes's side, and as a result of that, he was able to to sort of engineer that pre-contract, which changed the the dynamics of that loan deal to to sort of make it more of a, uh, you know, McCrory a bit of more of a, a, a make weight perhaps in the in the deal that eventually saw Scott Wright go down to to Ibrox quicker than expected, but. Given the impact McCrory's made and the potential uh, difference that he can make in those Rangers fixtures, um, you know you, you can't count out the possibility of maybe Aberdeen and Rangers facing each other in the Scottish Cup. So, um, you know, I, I think that that goes down as a, a fantastic piece of business to to get that one in over the line uh, before the, the deadline last night. I mean, it is it is obviously good for Aberdeen to get Ross McCrory in, but I mean that's the, the only difference. Um, will be that he can play in the, the Rangers games. I mean, he was going to be here for this season anyway, and there was going to be a, a permanent deal come the end of it. So it is the case that he can play against Rangers now. And, and Scott Wright, they're obviously losing a player who has been one of the key performers this season, had formed a really good relationship with Ryan Hedges. When Aberdeen have looked at their best this season, it's generally been when Ryan Hedges and Scott Wright have been linking up with each other. Um, so, I mean, that, that, will be, um, that will be a loss. I mean, how Scott Wright gets on at, at Rangers um, is <laughs> very uncertain for me. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to go there and make an impression or not. That will be, um, I guess, one that'll be the challenge for for Scott Wright now. Um, but from an Aberdeen perspective, um, 
I guess it's the the frustration will be that a player who looked like he was finally starting to kind of build on that early promise and was having his best season in in a in an Aberdeen top as um, that that season's been cut short now and he's he's often he's he's gone to to one of the rivals instead. So um, so yeah, I mean I think it's a it's a, it's a blow for Aberdeen that um, that they won't have Scott Wright for the second half of the season. But I think once a player signed a pre contract deal, generally the best situation is um to try and move them on if possible because obviously their um their their heart generally lies elsewhere and their future lies elsewhere so to um um it's it's probably best for all parties concerned if they are able to move on yeah i think it was the right the right deal to get scott right out of petodi over at ibrox once you've signed that pre-contact i i think no matter how committed you want to be i always think is that it's a bit at the back of your mind that you're looking towards the next season. So it was a, and Aberdeen did well out with it. I mean, they've got McCrory. Granted, he was going to be here anyway, but long term of the two players who I think would offer Aberdeen the most in the next couple of years, if, say, Wright had accepted a new contract, I would say it would be McCrory because he is rarely injured, very consistent never has a bad game and offers so much to Aberdeen. He's versatile and can play in a number of positions and he's a real battler. So I think it's a it's the right move for all parties concerned. But I'd just like to say from the from the transfer window, although it was great deal uh, business in the final day from Aberdeen, the only concern for me is that it kind of moves the bump just to like six months because they've got no like senior signed striker on a permanent deal. So they're going to have to sign two people next season or next summer on permanent deals because Camberry and Hornby have both, they've got like three-year contracts. So it's very unlikely. Well, they're not going to sign Hornby. He's way out of their budget. Camberry, very unlikely if he's got a three-year deal. You never know. If Callum Hendry impresses it right back, he could get a permanent deal. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's still got a year and a half as well. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I couldn't resist a, a right-back, left-back jibe. Um, <laughs> Bruce Anderson, very briefly before we move on to Ross County. Bruce Anderson, obviously he went back out on loan. I think he's in the last year of his deal. I think his deal runs out in the summer. Obviously, regular premiership football, you never know. He could impress Hamilton. Had a bit of a rough time at Air United earlier in the season. Um, do you think possibly that's a sign that Bruce Anderson maybe doesn't have a future at Aberdeen? And then secondary to that... Um, Youngster Michael Ruth coming back from loan our broth. Do we expect him to just be put back out on loan and the Dons just similar to what they've been doing with Anderson, I suppose, have a little look at him and then sort of see how he's got on in that first half of the season, see how he's progressed and then um send him out for a bit more development. I think with Bruce Anderson, yeah. I think it's very it's very wise that they've sent him to another Premier League club or Premiership club because it offers the, the opportunity to see just what he can do in the top flight if he's offered, if he gets regular first-team football. If he starts scoring regularly in a team struggling at the bottom of the table with limited service, then it shows just what he is capable of. And potentially, Aberdeen might look to sign him up on a new contract. But at the moment, time is running out for Anderson. And I mean, he had a great chance in injury time against Livingston and sort of pushed his head or wide. And as he did that, I just thought, oh, that was your chance. 
and unfortunately didn't take it. I mean, the talent is there, there's no doubt about that, but you have to show it consistently on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, the the, op- the the chance now is for Bruce to go and show that he can score goals in the top flight of Scottish football. I mean, he has had um, some chances in, in the Aberdeen first team and it hasn't really worked out for him yet. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, we, I think we all think there is a player there, but um, whether we'll see him back at Aberdeen, not not so sure. Um, but if he can if he can go and score goals at Hamilton, then perhaps he can prove that he deserves um, another another year um, at, at Pataudry. Um, Michael Ruth, an interesting one as well. The reports are that he's been playing um, quite well for our both. So, I mean, again, that's um, another player who um, who could come in and, and perhaps do something from uh, coming on as a substitute. But um, yeah, I mean, in, interesting to see what what their what their futures hold. But I mean, Bruce Anderson's obviously been told that he's going to be right down the the pecking order. So it's better for him to go out and get game time. And um, but I mean for. For Hamilton Ackies, it could be it could be a shrewd move because we've always thought if if Bruce Anderson was to get a run of run of games, get some goals, then I mean he seems to be a bit of a confidence player and um he could he could do well for them down near the, the bottom of the table. Just as Danny says there, I think confidence is the you know, the, the massive factor really for, for Bruce. Uh it was probably dented a, an awful lot after the spell at the air where he didn't score a league goal. Um you know, that was an an exciting signing for Ayr. I think they were really pleased to get him. They're renowned for being one of the the championship sides that that like to to play, you know, attractive football. So um, I think there was a, a bit of frustration from all parties, really, at how that move worked out. And I suppose he was returning to Aberdeen, trying to pick his head up again, and that was going to be increasingly difficult for him. Uh, you know, after Aberdeen signed so many strikers on deadline day, so. I think for him to to get the chance to now have that uh, running aside in the the Premiership, albeit you know fighting for survival at the bottom of the table, um, it, it it should surely inject a you know a bit of spark into into him for the rest of the season. Um, it it really is his last last chance. You'd have to think, given that he's out of contract in the summer. So, um, you know he's he's got that opportunity now. He's potentially in, in line to make his debut against Ross County tomorrow. So, um, you know, it's a big, big chance for Bruce. On the subject of Ross County, we shall move on. We'll discuss their semi-quiet week, I suppose, in the transfer window, apart from one uh, one major um, departure. Okay, so Andy, only one sort of real new thing I suppose well two actually no I said I say one major departure but we're talking about two here um we knew County's arrivals um last week when we recorded the podcast we knew Joe Hilton was going to come in Jordan White uh coming to bolster the striking op- options up front with always the possibility that Ross Stewart would leave Ross Stewart obviously left for Sunderland the 300 grand deal uh Josh Reed also promising young left back uh, not lasted long in the County first team before being snapped up by Coventry City What's the mood like at County, Andy? Well, I think by the by the lack of incomings on deadline day, I think it was a, a pretty clear sign that John Hughes was pr- pretty certain on on what he needed during the window, and you know he was relatively quick to get most of his signings in place. Um, so I think he was probably able to foresee that Ross Stewart it was going to be a, a bonus if he'd, he'd kept him until the end of the season from a manager's point of view, from a, a club point of view. You know, it was good business to to cash in, um, you know, to 
to get you know a, a fee in for him before the uh, before his contract ran down at the end of the season. Um, you know he's a player that they've they've worked quite hard to to develop over the last two and a half years, um, and it's often forgotten about that County actually paid a, a transfer fee for for Ross Stewart as well. They they paid about forty thousand to to St Mirren to sign him when they were in the Championship. So you know the idea of progressing his career before losing him for free at the the end of it all was probably one that would have been hard to take. Um, so although they obviously don't have him as part of their their setup now to try and stay in the in the league, they you know they've at least managed to to claw something back for that. And as John Hughes has pointed out, you know he's a, a player that he's not really worked with. Uh, he, John Hughes' first game in charge was against Celtic at Parkhead, and Ross Stewart pulled up half an hour in with a hamstring injury and has been out ever since. So I think with the the form that Ollie Shaw has shown in the period since then, I, th- I think that the succession planning for life after Ross Stewart has well and truly begun. Um, and they've obviously added Jordan White in there as well as a, a bit more of a target man. So there's, uh, I, I think John Hughes had a pretty clear idea of what he wanted to do and the areas that he, he needed to, to strengthen. And again, just the, the lack of, Manic uh, last-minute business, as compared to uh, you guys in the northeast, probably speaks volumes for how how happy he is with the the options that he's got in this uh, push for survival. Andy, do you fancy um, Ross Stewart to be a, a success at Sunderland? Will he be starring on Netflix anytime soon? <laughs> I haven't heard if uh, they're they're going to make another Netflix documentary, but uh, now he can uh, maybe feature in in that one alongside. Chris Maguire, who's still there, of course. Um, I think he's got the attributes that a lot of clubs down south really look at as being effective. His his presence, similar to, to Sam Cosgrove, makes him a you know a, a, a real focal point of, of any side, uh, a number nine, as you, you you would say. In addition to that, he's deceptively quick for a, for a big guy. He's he's got a a lot of pace, so. Um, he can be used out wide as well, which County tended to to sometimes do, uh, particularly under Stuart Kettlewell. Um, maybe that came to the, the detriment of you know more more of a goals return. But you know, as we've touched on through a couple of stats pieces we've done, you know, Ross Stewart's been finding himself in good positions this season, and um, it's his finishing that's that's kind of let him down. Uh, probably just a. A guy that suffered uh, in terms of his confidence a wee bit, but you know he's proven in the past that he can go on good scoring runs, and uh, I, I think it, it's just a, a good move in his development, really, because he was clearly a player that wasn't ready to go straight into even Ross County's team when they first signed him, but the the work that they've done to him since then has has made him a you know a really attractive proposition to a club of Sunderland's stature and. Uh, you'd imagine with the, you know, the facilities and the the setup down there that you know he'll have a real chance to 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 progress uh, in in League One, a club that will, you know, inevitably have designs on 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 getting themselves promoted to the Championship, which you know would be a a huge opportunity for for Ross Stewart to kick on even even further. In terms of uh, County's results, they obviously. Blew a pretty big chance, one 0 up against uh, fellow strugglers in Motherwell. Um, 
in midweek, I think last Wednesday, lost 2-1. They've got two big chances coming up, games against Hamilton um, tomorrow night and Dundee United at the weekend. How important are these two games now in terms of county season? Because the, the table, obviously, given Hamilton have games in hand on them, doesn't look doesn't look the greatest. Yeah, both Hamilton and Motherwell have games in hand, so it's it's really important they record at least one victory from from this doubleheader, I would suggest, um, if not two, against Hamilton and Dundee United. Uh, the Hamilton game in particular just gives them that opportunity to to build up a an advantage over Aki's, given that they are the team that, that are occupying the bottom spot just now. But again, with those games in hand, any sort of encouragement that they get at this stage of the season kind of points into towards their favour. So I think County just need need to get some some momentum going again. They have shown that they can, you know, record results against some of the, the teams at the top end of the table. They've put in some great performances against Hibs and Aberdeen, um, picked up a, a great victory in the, the League Cup against Celtic. But it's these games at the, the bottom end of the table that are that are going to be decisive in the the placings come the end of the season, and I think they, they need to be a bit better at you know churning out the the results that they that they need. Um, they've started to to lose some cheap goals again. There's been quite a few from corner kicks in recent games, which will be a, a massive frustration for John Hughes because he he did seem to have shored things up in the the weeks previous. So um, no, I, I think it's really important that they. They come away from this double header with a uh, a good points tally. I would say four points, if if not six. Uh, you, you know, given Hamilton's position, and then looking ahead to Saturday, Dundee United, a, a team that are kind of out of sorts just now, lacking in confidence. Um, you know, it's it's a double header that uh, that that County really need to to try and find some encouraging signs from. Obviously, at the moment, the, the lower leagues, as we'll touch on, their suspension has been um, extended until at least February 14th, which means we only have football at the Premiership and the Championship level as things stand. As a result, there wasn't much activity in the way of Peterhead. They got some business done earlier in the window. Cove Rangers, their, their players are on furlough at the moment, I believe. Elgin City were pretty quiet. Uh, Cali Thistle, they're, they, they've talked a little bit, Andy, haven't they, about potentially adding some some loan signings to bolster their um, their promotion bid, but do you, do you see that happening, or do you think they'll go with what they've got? I, I would probably lean towards no for just now. Um, obviously, the the one player that Inverness lost during the you know the January window was Kai Kennedy, who um, you know went back to Rangers before going back out on loan to Wraith Rovers, and you know the uh, you know his talent has been underlined by some fantastic performances already for for Wraith. Um, you know they've they've really picked up in form, and he's been a key part of that. So I think that that probably just adds to the the blow of losing him. The, the fact that he's uh, performing so well for what will be one of their their main rivals if they they are to to push for that playoff place. But uh, it, it is actually a position that Inverness are relatively well covered in in the wide areas with you know the likes of Daniel Mackay. Um, they've, they've got James Keatings, Aaron Doran. Um, even Miles Story can can play further out wide as well as Shane Sutherland. So, um, I, I think given the the injury situation that Cali Thistle had at the start of the season, which crept its way, you know, into the, the December period before this latest run of call offs that they've had, um, with most of the the squad back fit now, 
I think John Robertson will feel that the, the squad is stronger than it, it was uh, maybe a month or two ago, just with the, the sheer number of options that he's got available now. It's only really Kevin McCarthy and Lewis Toshney that are still sidelined. So I think he'll be quite keen to to get as much out of the, the squad that uh, that he's got. And he, you know he may have a you know a position or two in mind that he feels they they need to strengthen. And I suppose if if that comes around, he'll just be at the the mercy of you know clubs that uh, that have players that are surplus to requirements uh, just through through lack of game time that that might come available on loan. There's also the the free agent market if if he needs to. But I, I think there's a, a a decent basis of a squad there that he'll be he'll be keen to. To maximise, uh, there might be quite a lot of rotation in this upcoming period, given they've got so many midweek games. So uh, I wouldn't expect to see anyone else come in, but uh, you can never rule it out. Andy, Calithers will obviously have two games coming up this week as they seek to catch up on some of their rivals. They've obviously not played a lot of games compared to other teams in the division due to various postponements. Uh, they just they just need two wins, do they? If they, they want to climb that ta- the table. Yeah, just with the, the lack of games that uh, Inverness have had recently, that's resulted in them falling further adrift of the playoff spots and they really just need momentum now. Um, it was a missed opportunity for them in their last outing down at Morton, having been 2-1 up against 10 men. Uh, so to draw that game 2-2 was a, a blow and John Robertson certainly was far from happy after that one. Uh, the game down at Arbroath, it's a place where they've found it tough in the past. Um, Arbroath picked up a a good win against Morton at the weekend, so um, you know they'll they'll be in for a, a game against a confident side. But it's it's one where you know Inverness, if they're to climb the table, really need to be picking up the the three points. And then they look ahead to to Saturday down at Dundee, which you know another sort of key game. Uh, you know they could really do with picking up something against a a team that, as I say, they'll they'll look to be competing with in in that push for the. The playoff spots. So, uh, no, it's it's a big week, and the games continue to come thick and fast after this. So, they they just need to try and get into that winning habit to to make sure that they don't fall further adrift and uh, you know capitalize on these games in hand that they've got. Should be said that I mentioned the suspension of football being extended for the likes of Leagues One and Leagues Two. Their 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 desire to restart hasn't been affected by that. They were always going to plan to return to training on February 15th so it remains to see, be seen whether that'll happen um, I think that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal uh, games this week so this will be our date pretty quickly so uh, thanks to the guys Andy, Sean, Danny for joining me today cheers guys Thank thanks you. very much if you've enjoyed this episode please subscribe in your favourite podcast app you can email us at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk and finally enjoy whatever stream you're watching in the next few days cheers Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.